Did you know about one in nine people over age 65 have Alzheimer's disease? The AHEAD study is looking for people ages 55 to 80 to join the National Institutes of Health-funded AHEAD study. The AHEAD study aims to prevent Alzheimer's disease before symptoms appear. Discovering a treatment that targets brain changes early means doctors may one day prevent memory loss. Help us get ahead of Alzheimer's. Visit aheadstudy.org. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 94. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here on this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. Uh, Dave, finally some things to talk about after all this quiet and calm and really just not a lot to discuss on the Pittsburgh Steelers front with the NFL Combine kicking off. Uh, basically today, but you know, primarily uh, later this week and over the weekend, Omar Khan making the rounds today, speaking to the media uh, in several places. And so finally, some things for us to discuss. Yeah, dot con, right? <laughs> How long have you been waiting to say that one? <laughs> I don't know. I come up with these things on the fly. Maybe they maybe they uh, uh, get a chuckle. Maybe they don't, you know, but uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, you know, not 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 earth shattering stuff, I don't think. I mean, we, we I, I think there's some good takeaways from uh, boy, how many how many interviews did he do today? He did uh, the uh, media scrum one. He did the one on the podium. He did the one on pro football talk. He did one on Sirius. Uh, seems like I'm uh, missing That's one. Steelers Nation Radio and WPXI. Yeah. At yeah. Least. So, uh, you know, a lot of repeated stuff within there, but uh, there's some topics to talk about nonetheless. Definitely. Now, Dave and I are recording this on Tuesday night. I'm not entirely sure when this will go up, but if anything crazy breaks after 8 p.m. Tuesday, just a heads up on that. But the bulk of the information coming from Omar Khan today, and I think we had talked about on on Monday some of the questions that you would like to ask Omar Khan, and kudos to our Joe Clark, who is there in India, along with Jonathan Heitritter. It was just um, Joe today around Omar Khan. Uh, Jonathan getting in just a little bit later. And so he did a great job to ask some questions and and be there and provide the uh, the quotes for us. But one of the things we talked about was Mitch Trubisky's future based off of our, our, uh, Art Rooney's comments made last month about how he expects Trubisky to be a stealer for 2023. Omar Khan essentially echoing those thoughts, saying that he expects and wants Trubisky to be in Pittsburgh in 23, even going further and saying he wants Trubisky to be in Pittsburgh for a long time. And so that's one of the the headline things, one of those things we expected Con to be asked about, and now we have our answer. Yeah, and you know it echoes what uh, Art, uh, at least you know what Art Rooney II said over a month ago, and and, and some plus one, uh, I mm-hmm. guess you, you you can say there. Uh, at this point, I mean, I don't think there's any question, right? I mean, it, 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 at this point, it would be uh, a huge shock if Mitch Trubisky is not. Uh, with this team in 2023 to start with, right? Right. Just to read some of the quotes that Khan had, he said, quote, Mitch has been great. It's been great having him. And I look forward to having him around here for a long time. Went on to say 
a little bit later. Mitch has been awesome since the day he got here. How he's been with Kenny's been great, and I want Mitch around. So either Pittsburgh has the best poker face and smokescreen we've ever seen from the Steelers, or they're being earnest and sincere when it comes to Trubisky's future. Yeah, I think I choose the latter there. Uh, uh, now, the next question is, with my fingers pointing up in the air, uh, you, know, you know, trying to contextualize everything that, that he said, what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> uh, and I don't think you can come away from some of these quotes without thinking, you know, about the possibility of, of an extension, maybe. Yeah, and you have an article up uh, that went up a little bit later on Tuesday outlining what an extension could look like. And I think for Pittsburgh, there's an incentive to, to do that because the issue with Trubisky is that salary, owed $8 million base salary next year. And the thought has been for a while, at least prior to the Rooney comments of cap casualty, clear that cap space, go sign a cheaper veteran backup quarterback behind Pickett. And, and that would be the move. And now it seems like that's not going to be the case. Trubisky will remain as the number two, but it is going to come at a cost. And so an extension, I and you can lay things out for me, Dave, would bring that number down, would it not? Yeah, look, uh, $10.625 million is his scheduled cap charge as we sit here right now. Now, can they figure out ways to work around that without doing an extension or a restructure or anything with uh, Mitch Trubisky's contract? Absolutely. There, you know, there's, there's always a way, right? You know, uh, depending on on how how dig how far you want to dig deep into some of these restructures, uh, cuts, whatever you you can figure out a way to work around that ten point six two five million dollar salary cap charge. Now, what are the alternatives, especially if you're talking about the possibility of uh, of an extension with him? Now, first and foremost, he's due eight million dollars as his contract currently stands right now. Okay. Uh, he probably would like to at least earn that 8 million in 2023. Would you not agree with that? I would. He doesn't want to take a pay cut. All right. So barring some sort of straight out pay cut with him, uh, what if you did a two year extension with him and you gave him an additional uh, one point. Where's my numbers here? Uh, one point three seven or one. It would actually end up being, I think, one point two five uh, million in additional money uh, to go along with that eight million. And what you would do is you would lower. You would you would take his base salary as part of this extension. Lower it down to 1.375 million. You would take 7.875 uh, and give that to him in as part of a signing bonus. Okay. Uh, and then add two years onto his deal with base. And these are example base salaries to kind of uh, coincide with maybe a new money average of around $5 million. But his uh, two in my, in my example, I have base salaries of 4 million in 2024 and 4.75 million in 2025. Now, uh, obviously you people listening to this, you'll get more out of it. If you see it in writing, like on the site, but if you, if you don't want to look at that and, and you want me to explain it to you, the result of a two year extension 
by giving Mitch Trubisky $9.25 million in total in 2023 versus the $8 million he was scheduled to make would lower his cap charge the way I have this thing structured by exactly $4 million. Okay. Okay. And uh, once again, it would put $9.25 million in his pocket in 2023 his cap charge in 2023 would lower to 6.625 million uh the way i have this uh set up the 2024 cap charge would also be 6.625 million and then his uh balloon at the end of it there in 2025 assuming he was you know still on the roster then his cap charge in 2025 would be 7. Three seven five million. So the cash flow would be nine point two five million in two thousand twenty three. Uh, through two thousand twenty four, it'd be thirteen point two five, and then obviously through two thousand and twenty five, it would be eighteen million. Now, for accounting per for 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 uh, way it looks on paper in the uh, uh, quarterback, how much does he earn? category, his new money average would come in at $5 million because you're basically taking, he was scheduled to earn $8 million in 2023. Originally, a two-year extension, everything would total out at 18. 18 minus 8 is 10. That means $10 million in new money. It would work out to a new money average of $5 million with him. And once again, the big byproduct of this would be lowering his cap charge by $4 million in 2023. You've got to probably give him some incentive to do that and the incentive once again would give giving him an extra 1.25 million dollars uh in 2023 and you know uh making the deal at least in 2024 where you better think twice if you really want to part ways with him because technically you would only save like uh one million dollars in cap space versus what he's what what his cap charge would be versus what the dead money acceleration would be. So you have to ask yourself, do you like him that much? Uh, that would be one option. And I think if they did end up doing a uh, any sort of an e- extension with him, Alex, mm-hmm. I think it would look very similar to the way I have it laid out right here. Now, your rebuttal in all this would be, you know what? Why not just do the void year plan with him? Right. Uh, because he maybe he doesn't want to be in Pittsburgh past this year. Maybe he still wants his eight million, uh, but maybe he'll want to see what else is out there after this year. Well, yeah, you could absolutely do, you know, a four-year void, basically, you know, restructure, if you will, and that would that you you would add four additional years. Onto the con, uh, onto his contract, he wouldn't get any more new money, but he would get his eight million, uh, with most of it being a signing bonus. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, when this would be done, and mm-hmm. then that would lower his 2023 cap charge to 5.089 million, which would drop it from what it's scheduled to be by 5.536 million. So. There's really just, you know, if you want to, if you want a significant cap savings with him this off season, and he's, and he's not going to take any less than 8 million in 2023. These are really your two options, I believe, uh, uh, to take place here. Right. I'm with you there. I think here's my, my thoughts on that. 
we're still not that far removed from Mitch Trubisky right after the season ended, essentially saying he regrets signing in Pittsburgh, telling ESPN that he rushed into the decision signing on day one. And he says he wished he would have taken more time to, to think that one out and contemplate before signing a two-year deal with Pittsburgh. Now, I'm still of that steadfast belief he will be a Steeler in 2023 based on what Art Rooney has said, based on what Omar Khan has said. I don't think Trubisky maybe would would love to stay in Pittsburgh, although there's a case to be made, and I'll write this for Wednesday, that there's good reason for him to want to stay in Pittsburgh for 2023, but he doesn't have all the control. He doesn't have the leverage and the power here, and he's not going to make that big of a stink about it, even if he doesn't really want to be here to be Kenny Pickett's backup. So I just can't see what the reason or incentive for Trubisky to sign an extension uh, with Pittsburgh now, as opposed to playing this year out, seeing what things look like next year and taking it from there. Uh, the incentive, my rebuttal to that would be the incentive of him earning $9.25 million in 2023. He'd be hard-pressed. If he was cut, would you agree that he'd be hard-pressed to put $9.25 million in his bank account in 2023? Agreed, but he's not going to be cut. Okay. But if he so was... I don't, it's a- Right, right, but it, it's it's a, to me it's a moot point. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree he wouldn't get that money anywhere else, but Pittsburgh's not going to cut him. We agree. Uh, no, at this point, I'd, I'd be very surprised if they right. do now. And I think right. the other the other uh, add on to that is he's virtually use that delicately. <laughs> he's virtually guaranteed to earn thirteen point two five through two thousand and twenty four. So. You know, maybe he needs to look in the mirror and say, am I really, even if I go somewhere else, I mean, I look, I'm all for someone betting on themselves, right? You know, right. I, I, I could be better than this. I, I'll show everybody I'm going to go be a starting quarterback in this league and I'm going to land a bigger contract. Uh, if he did hit free agency right now anyway, you know, how many teams are going to sign him to just a one-year deal? You know, uh, he's probably going to, it's going to end up being a two-year deal. Uh, to me, he's, he's, you know, do you want to be that guy that jumps from team to team every year, you know, become uh, come the new cheaper version of Carson, Carson Wentz, you know, uh, I think there is incentive at this point for him now to maybe think and, and, and accept the fact that, you know, I'm probably going to be a backup in the NFL. Why mm-hmm. not be one of the league's highest paid backups? And yeah, I'm playing behind a guy that, you know, is, is you know, I, I might get some snaps in here, you know? Sure. I think he would, but the, the- Again, he's going to stay in Pittsburgh next year. Next year, let's assume nothing were to change. He's playing. He's getting his eight million dollar base salary. The extension gives him just over a million more. Is it worth it to lock yourself down for a, through twenty twenty five for that million more? And I know you said thirteen million through next year through twenty twenty four. But can he play eight million dollars this year and then try to make five million dollars somewhere else next year? I think he can do that. Okay, that's a great that's a great side of the the reason uh, argument against him doing that. Right now, here's here's what I think. I have two thoughts with Trubisky. The one, what I think Pittsburgh should do, and one, what I think Pittsburgh will do. The one I think they should do is is that voidable year dummy extension. It's the best of both worlds. Keeps Trubisky lowers that cap number. It does create dead money, and that's a byproduct of it. But and I know the Steelers have been against this, but. Is it really all that different than restructuring a contract? There are differences. I understand he plays somewhere else next year in all likelihood, but it's all can kicking and Pittsburgh restructures themselves every single year with their, their top guys. They're going to likely do that this year with TJ Watt and others. So I don't really see why it's that big of a cardinal sin to, to do the, the dummy extension 
with Trubisky. Now, what I think will happen is is nothing. He plays for his $8 million base salary in 2023, and there's no pay cut. There's no extension. There's no dummy extension. They he just, just remains a stealer. They just work around his number, which, as you said, they can do. They want him here. He's not going to take a pay cut. I don't think there's enough to incentivize him for an extension. And so he's just a pretty expensive backup. But in Pittsburgh's mind, that's valuable as that insurance policy behind Kenny Pickett. Okay, then then how would you interpret what Khan said about, do you think that's more of just uh, being cordial and saying we want him here more years? The way he said for a long time. Yeah. Partially, I think that was more GM speak and just trying to have that olive branch too. We like you, Mitch. We value you know you, Mitch, and and we want you to be part of this team. And and it, it, even if you assume that Khan really wants Trubisky in Pittsburgh long term or longer term, that it takes two to tango in that regard. And Trubisky may not want to be in Pittsburgh for a long time. So the feeling I don't think would be mutual again. I he will be a Steeler in 2023, but the guy just two months ago, not even two months ago, said I regret signing here. I don't know if he's going to go from that thought to. Let's sign an extension in the matter of two months. Okay. Uh, well, I guess in that really, there's there's three options here. There's the void. There's there's the full uh, four year voidable uh, uh, route. There's the uh, uh, and a two year extension similar to r- either exactly what I laid out or, or pretty damn close to it. Mm-hmm. And then the nothing option. Do nothing right. option. Why is, and I know the, the answer is going to be, well, this is the way we've always done things. Why would this team not utilize the voidable years? It, it doesn't even create a precedent because there's no leverage that another play would ever have against them. They can use it when they want to, when they need to, and they don't have to in the future. So why are they so anti-dummy year extension? I, I think just from the sheer fact that you're automatically forcing, you know, you're, you're automatically creating dead money. How much dead um, money would that create next year if, we, if you did that the way that you project it to be it would be 5.536 million okay i it's obviously not which, something that which, which is it you know it ain't chump change but it's also sure. not 12 million you know right and the cap is going to go up and we expect next year's cap to go up pretty substantially right is that new money or is that look, the year after I, I, I possibly the year i mean i think at least you're looking at what two 230 something million maybe next year yeah, so I still think as a percentage of the cap, which is the way that I view any contract, but also dead money, it's going to be a sliver of that. Is it ideal? No, but if it if it lowers the cap hit this year without taking any money from Trubisky, to me, that's the best of both worlds. Okay, now once again, I'm not saying that this is the way it's going to go or advocating sure. this, this is the way it's going to go. This is a byproduct of, you know, context trying to read into context of what Omar, Omar Khan said today. Yeah, again, Khan may want this to happen. I'm sure they, they like Trubisky. They like the, the presence, the comfort of having a veteran backup quarterback. I'm not saying that Khan's being disingenuous when he says that, but it, that takes two to tango. Trubisky, he's kind of stuck. If he wants out, Pittsburgh controls him. And again, I don't think Trubisky's going to really strong arm his way out of Pittsburgh. I don't think he's that kind of guy. I don't think that's going to happen. So um, for, for, but for an extension, Trubisky has to agree to that. And I just don't see, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I just don't see him being eager to do that. All right. Let me ask you if he would agree to the extension, the way I had it laid out exactly on the site, would you be a fan of, uh, would you be okay with, with it working out that way? Sure. I have no issue with that. Again, I think you having that, that veteran quarterback is fine. I was never crazy about the Trubisky signing in general when they first happened, but that was for a starter capacity. I knew this was going to be a really short-term kind of thing, but as a backup, yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. 
Well, I mean, it just it gives us something to look at now. And I mean, look, I, I think we're past the stage now of wondering if he's going to get cut. Some people on the Internet, my Twitter timeline, still some people are, are committed that this is a smokescreen. This is all games. He's going to get traded. He's going to get cut. He's not going to play for this money. If it is, I mean, this is the best smokescreen Pittsburgh's ever had. Right. I mean, look, I mean, if they have someone coming off you, you know, what would it what would it? You know, and, and once again, I think a team if they traded for him would at this point probably ask the Steelers to eat some money. Sure. I think so. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. The question I've asked a couple people is what would it take Khan and Rooney to say, to convince you they want Trubisky to be a Steeler in 23, okay. like a, like a blood oath. Like, I don't know what more of these guys can say and do and how much and, and strongly they can express it, that they want Trubisky to be uh, their backup next year, because there's a reason why they kept, Mason Rudolph around. They really value that veteran quarterback room, the strength of the room, top to bottom. They don't want to gut that room already knowing they're almost guaranteed to to lose Rudolph and they're not going to dump Trubisky and have to, to start all over. And again, if you cut Trubisky, you save the eight million pre-displacement, you go sign a veteran backup, it's going to cost you three, four million dollars. So it's really about saving four million with Trubisky as opposed to eight million. You could still argue it's worth it, but the numbers get a lot tighter. Right. So that's the uh the thought on Trubisky. What else am I on talking about extensions? We'll, we'll stick with that. Talked about uh, conversations have begun with Cam Sutton, this team's biggest pending free agent and con. I don't believe any talks have happened with Alex Highsmith yet. And while he did not outright say, yes, we want to do an extension with Highsmith, his answer was to the effect of we value our own. We value the young guys. You guys know how we take care of them. And so uh, basically hinting at there's going to be some conversations with the Highsmith camp later this year. And now that this is in the rearview mirror and he has spoken on it, uh, uh, my thoughts on both these situations is I will be surprised if Cameron Sutton uh, isn't re-signed and I'll be uh, equally uh, just as surprised if Alex Highsmith does not have a new contract by week one of the NFL season. I'm with you on both fronts there. Now, again, interested on the numbers on Sutton and in Highsmith for that matter, but I think both get done. I do as well, too. And I think a couple other unrestricted, whoever they may be, the, the Terrell Edmonds, the, we'll see what happens with Larry Ogan, Joby, the Zach Gentry's, uh, you know, uh, there there will be a handful of these these guys that get re-signed, you know. Sure, there will. Uh, do you think they all happen before March 15th or could some of them extend into the new league year? I mean, obviously, I think a few of them will. Uh, and, and I mean, I think I think it'll be some of both. I think some okay. I, I think you'll have a few maybe that go out there and want to take take a look around all uh, uh, Terrell Edmonds last year. And but I I, I I think the bigger, bigger name ones. Uh, yeah. In other words, if Larry Ogan Joby gets out the door on March 15th, I don't think he's coming back. Okay. That's fair. Is that just because, you know, he's already known that Pittsburgh just isn't going to offer him whatever he wants and he's going to just going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And I think he's screaming up the uh, free agent board right now, just mm-hmm. from the sheer fact that it's decreasing. <laughs> right. Ron Payne officially tagged today by right. Washington. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, you, you could make a good argument that, you know, uh, now that Payne is, is, is tagged and, and, uh, uh, who's the kid in Minnesota? Calvin uh, Tomlinson. Yeah. Uh, if, if indeed they get him done before March 15th, which it, which it really sounds like that was the goal to do, then you can make a good argument that, that Ogan Joby's, you know, one of the top two or three defense, you know, uh, defensive tackles on the market. Uh, obviously, hard Javon Hargrave is going to lead that list, but who mm-hmm. who's behind him? 
you know? Yeah, I don't know who the second guy would be. Um, you know, Fletcher Cox, his teammate in Philadelphia, maybe, but obviously the age there is going to be a factor. So that'll be, again, another really interesting one to watch. We have not spoken about Ogan Joby a lot. I think by NFL law, he has to go to Baltimore because he's already played for Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. So he's really got to complete the AFC North tour. They will re-sign, you know, I'll, I'll go this far. They will re-sign a couple of their own restricted free agents before March 15th. Yeah, I think. Is Sutton, that two, three, four of them? I don't know, but there, there will be at least two, I predict. I'll say at least Sutton, Gentry, and Spillane, and maybe some others, but I'll say at least those three I'm pretty confident get re-signed before March 15th. Right. Now, anybody else, that, you know, uh, I mean, really, that, that's the top of their list anyway, right? You know, well, there's Ogunjobi, Edmonds, right. Casey. I mean, you know, we'll have to see on those, but I think those because I think you know, Gentry is going to be most valuable to Pittsburgh. They like his size. Spillane is certainly, I think, more valuable to Pittsburgh, and they value him more highly than any other team in football will. So that's why I say that. And Sutton, there's just going to be, I think, a real eagerness to get that deal done. All right. Uh, I mean, we didn't really learn a lot there other than uh, just confirmation more than anything, uh, right? Right. I mean, there is, you know, when Khan mentioned beyond that, you know, certainly got the antenna up and got us talking about, could an extension happen? So that might be new on on that front of things. But that confirmation, I think, is important. That is something that just to, but I I really think, again, if if Rooney wants it, he's going to get it. So even if Khan really didn't want to keep Trubisky or had some thoughts about it, when Rooney says, yeah, we want this guy to stay, it's like, all right, well, we got to make it work so he stays. Right. Uh, Another thing quarterback related, and I feel like, this was with PFT with Mike Florio and Chris Sims. This was a little bit Florio leading the the horse to water. Nothing else Khan could really say, but asked about, you know, Pickett's two concussions with all the focus on Tua and in Miami, the concussions that he had. Basically, Florio said he hears a lot from Dolphins fans and say, why do you never talk about Kenny Pickett and his pair of concussions? And so Florio asked Khan, are you concerned about the two that Pickett had this year? And Khan said it is concerning. And I don't think he really knew how best to answer that because you don't want to say it's not concerning because, of course, it is concerning. But it's, you know, what do you do about that? But he said uh, it's obviously a concern Two concussions. It's obviously a concern, unquote. And so that, that's a real factor with Pickett. He had a you know, strong year overall, but two concussions in one year is pretty scary. And they did talk about him switching helmets uh, in that interview today uh, with Florio. They talked about, you know, coaching staff maybe talking to him some about <laughs> maybe not taking some of these sacks. Uh, yeah. uh, we'll get him some offensive linemen, too, <laughs> while, while, you're, right. while, while, while you're at it there. Uh, I, I will say this, and, and, and it's not uh, being disrespectful to Omar Khan either. Uh, you could tell this was uh, Omar Khan's first first uh combine rodeo right he was he wasn't uh nick sirianni first presser nervous but he seemed a little nervous for sure yeah right he'll get back he he wasn't robotic like uh kevin colbert has been colbert Uh, just didn't give an f like he was like i've been here i've done that nothing even phases me anymore right but there uh, and once again it's not disrespect to con it's just and, and how could you i mean it's your first time you know, uh, and he'll be a lot more comfortable with it uh, next time around there. Uh, okay, we talked to uh, uh, I- 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 any more on things that he had. To, you know, he's, you know, Pickett's our guy, yada, yada. We don't have to look for a quarterback this year, yada, yada. Uh, what else What else did he have to say that, that, that that's worth rehashing here? Yeah, a couple more thoughts. And I will say Colin can be as nervous and flustered as he wants. As long as his team wins, I don't care. He can he, he can just say whatever he wants. If he wins, then all is forgiven, all is forgotten. Um, I was bummed that 
Khan seems a bit more close to the vest in terms of the breaking down the class by class. Yeah. Where are the strengths, the weaknesses? We talked about that Monday. Would he kind of do what Cobert always did? Which I know. I Colbert think he was being overly careful there, not sure. to say the wrong thing, right, and not maybe give that give a bit of a hint to where they're thinking. Because right. I know Colbert always spoke generally, but they largely matched up with the direction this team was going, and you can kind of play those Blues Clues games that we're not going to be able to play quite as well. He just uh, Con said it's a good class, it's a good group of guys. Didn't talk about any strengths or weaknesses. So that was one. I was a little bummed by. I wanted to get a little bit of insight from Omar on just his overall thoughts on this class. Now, he did, I think, kind of slip up a little bit. <laughs> kind of the need. Uh, uh-huh. uh, was that where you where you were going here? Yeah, you can take it. No, no, no. Yeah, let, 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 me search, I, let me uh, let me make sure I search out the proper uh, quote here. This was on uh, with Florio, right, when he talked about. Priorities. Is no, I mean, uh, no, I mean, you feel free to throw that quote oh. out there. But uh, there was the one I think in the scrum. Okay. Uh, 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 prior to the podium one, what was the quote that caught you from from Florio? I don't have it in front of me right now. I, maybe I can try to pull up. But I mean, it was asked about where your needs and priorities and con started by saying, you know, anything that makes the team better, we're going to explore the very can, you know, cl- uh, coach speak cliche type answer. But then he kind of went through a couple of positions in his head saying whether it's O-line, D-line, corner, basically naming some of the top needs in mind. So obvious stuff, nothing that earth shattering, but it was interesting to kind of see his brain work when, when he was asked about needs after going really generally kind of battled off some of the stuff that we know might be important to Pittsburgh trenches and cornerback room. Okay. Uh, I'm referring to, uh, let's see about the 12 minute mark in uh, the scrum pre podium at the combine. He says, uh, but I'm let's see. Uh, you kind of got to go with need. Sometimes he was asked and he would say, uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say you'd have to go uh, need. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he did. I, if you go back and listen to that, it, 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 it all, he, I, I think he kind of cornered himself there, but uh, and not that it's not surprising and not that we don't think it was going to go that way anyway. But I, I found it kind of interesting the way he answered that question, which was pretty much in response to kind of a statement and not a question. And uh, anyway, go back and listen to that and t- t- tell me what you- I, I I came away from it thinking, yeah, yeah, they uh, he, he, he continues to say we're not going to be afraid to add, to add a great player to any of the room to uh, thinking, yeah, they you we'll, we'll whittle these needs down after free agency and all like that. And we'll we'll probably be, you know, I think we can whittle it down to a couple of positions mm-hmm. here. Are you tired of hiding your smile? Maybe it's time to get some help from G4 by Goldpaw. Their talented technicians specialize in creating brand new permanent teeth in just 24 hours with as few as four titanium implants. You can enjoy a fully customized bridge for your upper and or lower set of teeth. You can have peace of mind knowing that the G4's experienced lab technicians have designed more than 15,000 new smiles. You can have a new smile that looks, feels, and functions just like natural teeth. Patients from all over the world travel to G4 to get their permanent smiles in just 24 hours and change their lives forever. Booking an appointment has never been easier. Simply visit yourteeth.com today and schedule your appointment with G4 by Golpa. Mention this podcast when you book to save $1,000. So what are you waiting for? Get ready to show off your new confident smile with G4 by Golpa. Visit yourteeth.com today and start your journey to a new permanent smile in just 24 hours. G4 by Golpa. Powered by technology. Inspired by patience. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what Colbert did. And, and right. I think, you know, Khan even said, basically, there's a lot of things that Colbert did that I'm going to carry over because he was next to him for 20 years. So, of course, it's, that, that's going to rub off on you some. But, but yeah, it's never truly BPA. Pittsburgh never truly drafts the best player available. It's always, you know, where need and value are meeting at, at its highest point. Right. Uh, you know, the so many words, uh, you know, not afraid to trade up. I mean, Kevin Colbert basically says that every year with the, with, with the difference being he hardly ever trades up. Uh, but uh, he said, you know, if there's a player there that, that, that we want, we don't think that, uh, you know, we can get, you know, in other words, uh, he feels like he can be aggressive enough to go up to get a player. If he, if, if there's a player they want to go get. Yeah, I mean, obviously, every team is going to operate that way, but he did. And I forget the exact quote. I don't know which interview it was. He did so many. But at one point he said, you know, I'm an aggressive guy, so I'll go ahead and make a move. Right. If we feel like we got to make a move, which I mean, again, the answer is always maybe, you know, trading up has so many variables to it. They don't know. You know, they're not going to know until basically draft day if they're going to truly go up or not. When you get offers in, you see the board and you see what your roster looks like. But uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I think this team will make moves. I know this is a very like broad statement to make, but I think this team will make some movement during the draft, whether that's going up, going down, I don't know, but I don't think that they're going to sit there and statically pick all their current selections. What about first round though? Yeah, that's maybe (laughs) it's the answer. I don't know for sure. Um, Again, it just depends on what offers look like, who falls, what, you know, it it just depends on a a million factors. Uh, He was asked, you know, does he consider himself aggressive when it comes to maybe trading up? He would say, uh, he went on to say, I would say from that standpoint, yes, I probably am aggressive. I'm a big believer in listening to every opportunity and then thinking it through, talking it over with my staff and making it making the right decision. But yeah, I'm open to anything. I'll put it that way. So I think that, I mean, again, no one knows for sure. He can't say for sure, but I think he does make a move. If he's that open, eventually somebody calls you or you call somebody and some deal becomes attractive that you want to want to take. Okay. Uh, dry, uh the Andy Weidel conversation, uh, you know, to talk about uh, the role in the draft room and, and all like that. Recap that, that and uh, give, give your thoughts. I thought it was interesting. And that was something I, I should have said on Monday's show that I would want to ask Omar Khan. And I'm glad this answer ended up coming out just about some of the, because there are so many new faces with this front office. Usually, you know, for the last 20 years, it's basically been the same guys with little turnover, probably the least amount of turnover of any front office in football. So, you know, the new players, what are their roles going to be? Omar Khan essentially confirming what Art Rooney said that Andy Weidel will set the draft board, which is what he did in Philadelphia. Um, Weidel will get influence and talk with Mark Sadowski, who's a director of player scouting, a longtime friend of Omar Khan. They went to Tulane together. And also Weidel will get influence and input from director of college scouting, Dan Colbert, former former area scout, uh, scout uh, Kevin Sun, who was promoted last summer. So Weidel sets a draft board and then the actual pick comes down to Khan, Mike Tomlin, and Art Rooney. Do you think it's interesting at all or not interesting that Weidel does not appear to actually be part of that mix to make that final selection? <laughs> what did I say a few a few shows ago? The, uh, uh, do, uh, in so many words, I, I said, I, I wonder if people are making too much of a big deal about the influence of Andy Weidel come decision time. 
And so, yeah, I think you were vindicated by that. Now, obviously, he's going to set the board, and you would imagine Pittsburgh's going to follow that to some degree. But, but, they're, but they're just not going to walk in, and Andy says, here's your board. Sure. Oh, you absolutely. Know. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's it's always a collaboration even in setting the board. But, I mean, Weidel is setting it. What exactly that means, how do you define that? I'm not 100% sure. But the actual decision, I'm a little surprised by that, to be honest. If you're assistant GM, I, w- I would think that you would have a hand in actually making that call. I'm not. Okay. Uh, I mean, my thought is not, like, and, and especially first year, you know, first year in too. On top of well, there, uh, Khan's first year in as GM. Uh, but he's been he's been in the room though, you know. Yeah, but if you hire a guy to be assistant GM, you know, let him be assistant GM. I mean, basically, Weidel has the same role he had in Philadelphia: set the board and Howie Rose made made all the picks. So, what is Weidel's? What is he doing differently in Pittsburgh that he wasn't doing in Philadelphia? Right, right from the get go, uh, my view on this was: I wonder if, if we're making a little bit too big of a deal about this. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. But do you do you not consider his background at all? Like, how do you weigh what no, Weidel's I mean, I, experience I, I, is? Look, I, 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 you know, having another knowledgeable guy in there to help uh, be a sounding board to help set your board. Why not? Right. You know? I, yeah, I'm just thinking out loud. I mean, how how should we weigh? What is the right answer with how do we, we weigh? I don't think we can properly without knowing what goes on exactly. I mean, it would be you know, it'd be absolutely fascinating to to sit there and be a fly on the wall for mm-hmm. the entire process to know exactly how 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 it's done. You know how they do it. You know. Yeah, definitely. And I, are there are there parameters that. that he's you know are, are there parameters that he's given before setting up the board? Or uh, you know what you know it's just, it's just not. Hey, Andy, uh, get with Sadowski over there, and you guys set the board. And sure. then if we want number twelve when number nine's next up, we're, we're going to pick number twelve. Right. I mean, loosely, the process is, you know, area scouts generate reports, positional coaches generate reports, the GMs themselves, I imagine Weidel, given his background, will be producing scouting reports and that whole combination of that. And then just internal discussions help set your board. And apparently Weidel does things not as a number grade, but more as a role, year one starter, future pro bowler, backup, et cetera. That's kind of the way that, that Weidel sets things. So, I mean, that's basically how, you know, draft systems all of them work um, generally. So uh, what all does that mean? It goes back to your question. What does it mean? What do you value that Weidel that, you know, likes the trenches? He values mental toughness. I don't think he really has a size preference. He's talked about in the past that, you know, these guys shouldn't be cookie cutter. We shouldn't get so wrapped up in heights and weights and things like that. But ultimately, how much is that going to matter if he's not the one in the room when an actual pick gets decided upon? I'll tell you the way the fans will view it. If they draft O-line, D-line, first couple of picks there, and both those players turn out to have uh, fantastic rookie seasons, it'll be, uh uh-huh, look at Mm -hmm. the influence Andy Weidel had uh, in here. Uh, uh, In in the same breath, regardless of the picks, if if this class ends up turning turning out good, it'll be, man, thank God they got Andy Weidel in there. However, comma, if if it turns out to be a bad draft class, because Omar Khan's been around the longest, he'll take he'll take the biggest shot. It'll be ah, they brought Weidel in. They didn't even let him make a you know they didn't even let him have enough say in this. That that's the way it will be perceived on the outside. Look, you and I can speculate as much as we want about as long as we've done this about how who who might have what say. But in the end of the day, we're not inside those four walls. So we have to take kind of kind of you know what's said 
in these instances in these press conference and try to add, you know, to take it, you know, put them in context and then try to look at it that way. And sure. my takeaway from where I sit right now on the last day of February uh, is that I think in the bigger pick, not that it's not a great move. I'm glad Weidel's point, but I, I just think too much has been made about the influence Weidel will have in the draft, at least this early on in his career in Pittsburgh. That's fair. I think you're, you're right about that. I think Khan's comments today, you know, point towards what you're saying, but again, the, then the question becomes how much influence should we put on it? Zero. Obviously it's not a hundred, but is it zero? Is it, is it 10%? I mean, if he's setting the board, that still means something. And, and, and none of us have the answer to this question that I'm asking, obviously. Nor really will we ever, unless we were flat out told, and it'll probably be result biased in our heads. Right. It probably means something bad happened and Weidel got fired and some story comes out, you know, way down the road. But uh, yeah, I'm just curious. I, I'd like to think there's still some influence. If, if there's no influence, then why hire the guy in the first place? So I'd like to think there's some some value in the input and what he's going to do. And I'm sure he'll do a good job. But obviously, it's tough for us to quantify exactly how much influence is going to be. I think the influence will be more from an aggregating sense and a uh, his knowledge of doing it uh, extent. Right. I still think at the least, I know that Khan has obviously been in this building for 20 years. I think he's a smart guy. He's obviously a really bright guy. And I think he probably has a better football acumen than some people give him credit for. But I think Khan will lean on Weidel quite a bit because Weidel is that literal scouts background from area scout to you know personnel and scouting director, essentially. And that's going to influence Khan maybe as much as anybody because, you know, Khan has not done this the way that Weidel has done this. Look, and there, I, I don't have any, you know, an agenda here. Don't, just draft a damn good class. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's all that matters. Yeah. Who cares you know? about credit blame? Uh, yeah, sure. But I, I think just from a before and after, you know, uh, speculation and post uh, recap uh, type thing, once again, I just feel from where, from what we have heard so far, uh, I just feel like too much emphasis has been placed on, all right, they got Andy Weidel in the room now. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and listen, I love nerding out about the structure of the Steelers front office, and I know most people don't care, but I think it's a really interesting dynamic. And to have sure. an assistant GM for the first time ever made it more interesting to see how this all was going to work together. I think Look, it does. We, we could so. watch a six hours, 12 hour special on nothing but that behind the scenes stuff like they showed in that oh, most yeah. recent Steelers. Uh, what's the name of that series? They the, did. the standard. Yeah, the standard. I mean, if, if, if the whole damn thing, they could make a whole kind of hard knock series on it and I'd watch it five times each episode. You right. Know? They were showing like the start of like the Pro Bowl and Cam Hayward. And I was like, all right, let's stop this. Let's please get to the senior bowl part because right. I don't need to hear about Cam at the Pro Bowl. That's all well and good. But it was cool to hear from Kelvin Fisher and, and Dan Colbert and stuff like that. And look, it, it, and once again, uh, things that bring us joy, this whole, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, pro day circuit and all like that. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if I get a bigger kick out of, out of actually, you know, going through and, 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 you know, paying attention to each one or uh, as much as I do <laughs> being entertained by your, <laughs> uh, uh, being entertained by it there, you know, and, and it is part of the blues clues process. I think we'll learn a lot, uh, about either how they maybe do 
maybe a handful of things different uh, this time around in, 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 in the pre-draft process, or maybe we won't learn anything at all, but uh, uh, you know, maybe this is going to be status quo at the end of the day. Yeah, I think largely it's going to be the same with some changes around the edges. Now, what that looks like and can we be able to quantify that, we'll have to see. That'll come with time and their selections, and even then we're going to be guessing. I did think it was interesting, I believe during the SNR interview that Khan was asked about him attending the HBCU Combine and Bowl and the only NFL GM to attend. He talked about how one of his biggest influences was the the late, great Bill Nunn and obviously all that he did scouting HBCUs and finding all those great players in you know, Donnie Shell, John Stallworth, Mel Blunt, et cetera. And so I, I think where he's cut from a similar cloth as Colbert being around him for so long is that that no stone, no stone unturned kind of guy. I'm going to scout high and low and take advantage of every opportunity to, to, to watch these guys in person, gather as much information as possible. I really admire that about Omar Khan. Look, I won't be shocked if a, the seventh round pick comes out of the HBCU ball or if uh, an undrafted free agent uh, or, or two are added. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, there's going to be some talent. You know, there's some draftable names from the HBC level and Aubrey Miller and Isaiah Land. And so, you know, one of those guys might become a stealer. All right. Uh, you know, he talked about being he was very careful when talking about the offensive line saying, look, and, and you know, he thought they really progressed as, as the season went on communication and and continuity, all the things that we've kind of talked about. But he, you know, he wouldn't. Uh, in so many words, he's, he, you know, he made it clear that he won't rule out potentially upgrading the offensive line, which is the right thing to say. Right, it is. It wasn't him committing to this front five, but it wasn't him trying to throw this five under the bus. And they did certainly improve last year, but that really just kind of puts us back at you know s- square one of what does this team do? Do they take? Do they improve this offensive line starters, or do they run it back with the starting five? I don't think we're any closer to right. knowing that answer. Uh Let's see. We covered the draft picks will be decided by Con Tomlin and Art Rooney portion. One uh, one big thing I want to talk on. about in the current roster, DeMarvin Leal. I'm sorry, <laughs> Joe Clark that asked the question about DeMarvin Leal, which was one of our, I think you had said that was the one question you would mm-hmm. hope uh, Omar Khan to be asked about. What's the plan? What's the vision for Leal? Is he going to go back to every down defense alignment or lean on that versatility showed last year? And Khan essentially said it's going to be what it was last year, or at least highlighting his versatility, playing inside, playing outside. And I think that's honestly the right move. I'm surprised that that's, that seems to be their track, but I'm happy that it is. Uh, and verbatim, he said, I think the great thing about DeMarvin is his versatility. We're not going to try to do anything that's going to hinder his versatility. We like that he can go inside, outside, and Coach Tomlin can utilize him in a lot of different places. And I foresee that continuing. So, I mean, it, 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 I think you got to take that at face value, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, which which would seem to indicate, though, that even a little bit even more emphasis maybe on defensive line early in this draft, right? I think so. If, if that's if Khan is true to his word, then I don't expect Leal to get up to 300 pounds and add a bunch of weight. He's going to be similar to the role he was his rookie year, where he's going to play some rotational edge and some sub-package pass rusher with his hand down as a three-tech and maybe even some off-ball work. They used that in a couple of packages, some blitz packages last year against Buffalo. So if that's going to be their plan, then he's not going to be a full-time defensive lineman. And if Ogunjobi's not re-signed, that room does look really light. And so that's something that will have to be addressed and addressed pretty significantly. So uh, takeaway, I think from 
uh, that lone question from our own Joe Clark and the answer from Omar Khan is barring numerous injuries, we don't expect the Marvin Leal to hit uh, 750 snaps. As a defensive lineman, correct? Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't expect, or and re- probably not really in general. In total, but I mean, I mean, with injury, I mean, who the heck knows? You know what could right. happen? I mean, you, you, injuries aside, you know. Yeah. Now, do you think that's the right call to, to highlight the versatility as opposed to making him what he kind of was supposed to be, what they intended him to be as an every down defensive lineman? From what I've seen so far on tape, which I mean, let's face it, it's not a ton, but uh, I think it is the right move right now. I think so too. Now, does that? Does that solve the edge depth concern or no. is that still no? No, I think you've just got a versatile player that you can do numerous things with. Okay, so you still think edge is going to be a pretty high priority? In terms uh, of I think they need, I, I think they could use another edge. I think they could use two edge, two outside, two true outside linebackers, one a lot more slanted to special teams. Uh, and and I, I think, I think they should have in total on the 53 man roster, not counting Leal. I think they should have four outside linebackers, true out four outside linebackers. Okay. So it'll be still, let's assume Watt, Highsmith, some external source, and let's just say Jameer Jones. If that's that the, the way, if you're that's the way uh, I'm hoping that they can do better than Jameer Jones, who, by the way, uh, uh, and we, we said this would probably be the case on the podcast the other day. Any day now, he'd be ex- he's signing his uh, exclusive right, you know, being re-signed as exclusive rights free agent. And that did indeed happen on Monday. So uh, uh, if 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 he if he's all that you got at the end of the day, then fine. But, uh, you know, would like to see someone that has special teams and can give you a little bit more as an edge player. Yeah. I'm just using him as the catch all number okay. four. Cause that guy's going to have to play a lot of special teams. If Liao's obviously not going to do sure. that. And if let's just say a Bud Dupree gets signed, then he's not going to do much of that. So it could be Roche. It could be an undrafted. Do you guy. agree with, with, with my assessment or can, can, can Liao be, uh, uh, serve as one of the four. It's a really good question. I'm a little mixed on it because, I think it lessens the need because if this guy's going to play, you know, 20 snaps, 15 snaps a game, rotational edge, then you don't necessarily need that, you know, true and blue third round pick to come in and, and be an Alex Highsmith, you know, like his rookie year and kind of be that rotational guy. But also knowing that Leal is still going to play with his hand down, kick inside on some third downs. I mean, could you get kind of more of a pure pass rusher as a number three that plays on more pass rush downs? I know Pittsburgh generally doesn't split it that way, but if Leal is going to be your big edge that can play against the run on early downs, then kicks inside, kicks inside on third down, maybe you can get away with a bit different body type, some more smaller speed rusher um, to play on third downs. And look, once again, I'm not rubber stamping DeMarvin Leal you know, for the rest of his career. I'm just saying what we have seen right now, looking at his weight, you know, looking looking at at, at depth at the defensive line. This was a, a question. Question. And I'm sure you, I mean, we we've talked about it all off season, right? You know, uh, uh, wanting this type of question asked and answered. And I think based on the tape that we've seen so far, and what Omar said on 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 Tuesday, from what we've seen right now, I think that is the correct answer for him to continue being a versatile, uh, you know, guy. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I still think I, I do think if Leal is going to be that hybrid type guy, that it lessens the need to some degree the urgency to add edge depth. Okay. 
but you know, glad to get some clarification there and, and we'll see how true that ends up being and honestly how he's used. And I'll be watching for that very closely come training camp. All right. Uh, got a Calvin Austin, the third update from, uh, from uh, con. Yeah. Uh, wrote a confidence in Calvin Austin saying they expect great things. He said, quote, uh, con did on Austin. He's good. He's progressing nicely. The OTAs in the spring ball will be big for him just to see where he's at, but he's coming along excited about him. We're expecting great things from Calvin. So does that impact your thoughts at all in terms of this team potentially addressing a slot receiver? Uh, look, here's the thing. Uh, we got to see him do it on the field. Of course. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, you know, you got Anthony Miller back back in the fold. We'll see what happens with Steven Sims. Uh, you know, obviously Gunner uh, under contract. I subscribe to the fact that if you think you can upgrade the room at at the slot position more more particularly, uh, you should consider doing it in this draft. Right. The question is, would you go with a higher round pick? Because if it's more of a mid round, late round guy, I mean, it could be depth. But if you're going to really upgrade, then then I think the answer is yes. But Mm -hmm. uh, uh, look, I mean. I, I think your mock, oh, you know, maybe, oh, you know, maybe it opened some people's eyes. Maybe it didn't. I mean, what what is the potential of the thing fall, you know, them not trading up and things falling, you know? Uh, and look, I, I, do I think we should read much into uh, Con being giving the answer about uh, Jordan Addison on Tuesday after being specifically asked about Jordan Addison? I mean, it's not like he he out of the blue said, you know what, that Jordan Addison's a really good football player. Don't know <laughs> if you knew that or not. No, <laughs> but <laughs> it was, was the one prospect he mentioned. He didn't have. He could have found a way to evade that answer if he wanted to. But didn't he? Didn't wasn't he asked specifically about oh, yeah. Addison? So, yeah, it's something like that. He didn't say it unprompted, but. Right. And and that's what I'm getting. I mean, it looks good in print, makes for a great story, especially on the heels of Kenny saying, I'm going to be banging the table uh, for, for Jordan Addison. And then, you know, retweeting the stuff uh, yesterday on, on, on Twitter. I mean, and, and look, you know, and at least Khan said this, we have picked Kenny Pickett's brain about some pit players. Now that was mm-hmm. pit players as a whole. And why wouldn't you, you know, uh, 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 do that? Uh, but I, I just want to make it clear. I mean, we wrote about it because that's what we do. Uh, him saying Jordan Addison is a really good football player. I don't think tips any hand uh, uh, about about Jordan Addison in the first round to the Steelers or anything like that. Uh now, I guess, you know, he could have said, you know, well, you know, Jordan, Ad- there's there's not only Jordan Addison, but there's quite a few good uh, football players, you know, in, in the slot. Maybe he could have went that way. But I, I think you're I think I think you're scraping if you want to dissect that down, drill that down and, and make something of it. Sure. Obviously, it's no smoking gun, but I'll put my tinfoil hat on for a second. I haven't had that on. I haven't had it fitted uh, in a little while. So I don't know if know. mine still fits. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. You gotta, you gotta put it back. You gotta put it on with me and see if it does fit, Dave. I think uh, Kevin Colbert never, rarely, I should say, rarely mentioned prospect names. He mentioned only one last year, and again, it was one of those where he was kind of asked semi-related about it, and it was Kenny Pickett, only name he mentioned last year. And so, only name that Omar Khan has mentioned and probably will mention uh, this pre-draft cycle is Jordan Addison. And I'm not crazy about the idea, but after doing that mock draft, seeing the board kind of break in all the wrong ways for Pittsburgh, given the slot need, given Pickett, obviously making your quarterback happy, making your offense better, 
I don't know. Maybe it's not a crazy idea after all, even putting aside Khan's comments. I don't think it's a crazy thought that Addison would be on Pittsburgh's radar at 17. So, somehow I feel like I got dosy doed around here or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, here. Uh, long story short, I, as we sit here on February 28th, I'm not ready to say that absolutely Jordan Addison won't be picked by the Steelers in the 2023 NFL draft. Right. Yeah. I don't, I never thought that you thought otherwise. Okay. Uh, but, but you kind of made it sound like in, 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 in asking me there that you thought, do they, do they really need to upgrade this? Here, here, if they could get, I think a skill set of, of maybe an Addison and a skill set of Calvin Austin can be used in different areas of the offense at different portions of the game. Right. Yeah. They're different skill sets. Like the things, like I've seen some people suggest just an example, tank Dell as a, as an option for Pittsburgh, but to me, he's so redundant to Calvin Austin. Right. That's, that's not a, a good selection, but Addison's a different body type, different style, different way in which he wins. I mean, really what got me thinking about it more was my mock draft where all the top cornerbacks were gone. All the top tackles were gone. And I kind of felt like, I don't know what direction to go. D line is, is thin. It's, it's Brazilian. And that's about it. Um, and then Addison just kind of stares you in the face. And they did say they got to score more points, right? <laughs> right. I mean, adding weapons you know, is, is always a good thing. Uh, my, my, and look, I, I'm sure this will all be circled into Dave hates Calvin Austin. Uh, but I mean, my my viewpoint right now on Calvin Austin is I just can't wait to see him on the field playing. You know, yeah, I'm sure Pittsburgh's in that same boat. Uh, how can you expect me to have a extremely pro optimistic outlook about Calvin Austin where I'm when I'm still in the place where I was after the draft with him last year? I mean, you've fortunately have at least got to see him in some training camp practices. I haven't, you know. Uh, right. so I'm still right where, where I, and, and plus, you know, and look, do, do I think this foot injury is, 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 is damning and long-term to him? No, there's no reason for me to think that, but within that, you know, and I, I can't be comfortable with Calvin Austin as the team's every down, uh, slot guy in 11 personnel until I actually see it happen. You know, I, you know, do you want me to just play fanboy and say, yeah, he's, he's the answer there. You know, I, I, long story short, if they get an opportunity to help, you know, give a little bit of a different skill set to go along with him as someone in, in playing the slot, whether it's round one or round seven, I think they should take the opportunity to do that. If it's, if it's, you know, if, if other needs can't be met, you know, if it, if it runs to in, into a situation like you ran into in that mock the other night. Mm-hmm. And Addison makes a lot of sense. I think Zay Flowers does as well. I know Addison will get talked about a lot, but I think the connections they have with Zay Flowers that Mike Tomlin has with him, uh, that explosive yak threat, uh, similar to Austin, but I think still stylistically a bit different as well. I think those are the two names. If they do go receiver in the first round, I still, still think those odds are, are a little bit lower. But if they I, do go I agree. Receiver, I, I mean, I, I think it's the lowest of 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 several groups, you know, that, sure. that they'll be focused on offensive line, defensive line, cornerback and all like that. But once again, I, I'll leave it at this. And and hey, look, I mean, th- we've got a whole pro day circuit and, and visitors and free agency and all like that. I mean, a month from now, we might be sitting here saying, 
man, can you believe we were even entertaining the idea of, of maybe them taking a, a wide receiver early? You know, yeah, they, they could go sign a veteran slot guy early in free agency, and this conversation probably becomes pretty moot. But right now, I don't think people, I don't think you can definitively bet your house that the team won't draft Jordan Addison. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's a fair point. I'm with you there. It's a name to, uh, it's a name probably I should consider a bit more than I had in the past. And even though I don't know if I see first round talent screaming at me, especially for a slot receiver where your offense is not going to run through him, I think the connections, the need, just too much to ignore that again, if those ta- top uh, tackles are gone, top corners are gone, it may leave them saying, hey, at least let's go with a guy that we know and, and feel pretty confident in. Right. What else, Momar Khan? Anything else from? Con that you want to? Uh, he Steve? gave the the proverbial "we'll leave the door open and the light on" for for Mason Rudolph. I mean, I if if you if anything that he said on Tuesday was more lip service, cordial, uh, we, you know, it it, it it was that. What what else is he going to say? See you, Mason. You know, <laughs> you, you you never know. So why why definitively? you know, say that this guy won't be back because you just don't know, you know, some things, how they might turn out. Uh, I, I will say this, uh, all, all that Omar Khan has said to date, uh, I would be absolutely shocked if Mason Rudolph is back. And even on a minimal, you know, uh, uh, deal, I just think this was Omar Khan politely doing just that, leaving the door open for, well, you never know. Yeah. I'm with you hundred uh, percent. The only way Rudolph, would or could come back is if Trubisky was gone and you can't have Trubisky back and Rudolph back. So assuming they're earnest and honest with the comments about Trubisky being a stealer next year, then Mason Rudolph will not. Ready for summer and want an enjoyable day trip? Head to Fauquier County, Virginia, just off I-66, nestled in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Fauquier County has over 25 local wineries, breweries, hiking trails, and Rappahannock River access. Check out visitfauquier.com for details. Fauquier County, find what you love. All right, and the other thing that's probably less obvious uh, that I wrote about uh, today, uh, Omar Khan is open to restructuring contracts for salary cap purposes. And if if, if you're listening and you've read my offseason and uh, you know cap outlook and you know talking on the podcast and that whole episode that I did dedicated to it, I fully expect this team to restructure at least one of TJ Watt and, or, or Minka Fitzpatrick, if not both. And in so many words, uh, that's what Omar Khan said, look, yo, they're going to, they, the goal is to put the, put together a 53 man roster. They think they, that, that they can compete for a Super Bowl, And if restructuring contracts, uh, is part of that process of doing that, then, then there'll be more than open to do it. I think they're going to really have going to have to anyway. Uh, but, uh, and, and, you know, another thing that he said, look, this is, this is just life, life <laughs> year to year. Anyway, restructuring is part of the deal folks, you know, and, and it has been part of this year's deal for numerous years now. And I will be shocked if, if at least not one of Watt or Fitzpatrick is not restructured and be quite honest with you, I'm expecting both of them to be restructured. I think it's only a matter of when. You know, mm-hmm. I was going to uh, ask, is this more of a spring thing, more of a summer thing? Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, uh, what, what will the cuts look like? You know, how much, how mm-hmm. much cap space will they, what's going to happen with, with, with Mr. Trubisky? Are they indeed going to ride him on $8 million through, you know, uh, for the year or not? Or are they, are they going to do some sort of, you know, uh, contract manipulation? Like we talked about earlier on the show there. I, you know, I, I can't give a definitive there. You know, normally I'd say, 
they 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 like to wait into the off season, but you know maybe the way they they've got things lined up here, maybe one of them will get done early. Yeah, I was gonna say if if one gets done early, that would that be a sign that they may keep some of those potential cap casualties, uh, a Keller Witherspoon, a Miles Jack, or that it may signal a more aggressive free agency than maybe what we initially thought. I, I and I think he, I, I in several of the interviews today, I my takeaway was don't expect this free and and I thought this going into today anyway, I don't expect this free agency outside free agency cycle to look anything like last year's. Will it look like a typical Kevin Colbert dumpster diving year or something more? I think there might be one or two names that that everybody maybe gets halfway excited about. And then the rest is, you know, kind of fill ins. Yeah. Okay. That's right. I just want to see who's all out there. I think it'll be more depth. Will will any, let me ask you this. Will the Steelers slash Omar Khan sign any free agent who it will uh, be a day one starter next year? That's a good question, Alex. The way that uh, Miles Jack and James Daniels and Mason Cole. Obviously, I don't think you're going to get. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I'll say yes. I don't know who. I don't know where, but I'll say one. Okay. What What kind of position are you leaning toward then? And we're talking outside for outside right. free agents, outside, right? Uh, external okay. free agents. Right. Yeah. It would um, have to be a safety, right? Or a linebacker. Safety inside linebacker. I'm kind of painting myself into a corner by answering that without you thinking about it fully, but. Yeah, I would say inside linebacker, strong safety. Okay. All right. You know, maybe you know, in other words, something like a David Long or something like that. Yeah, something like that. You, you don't think? It, you, do you think Tremaine Edmonds is a, is, is a legitimate option? No, I don't either. Too much we'll money. I mean, could Pittsburgh theoretically afford it? Yes, but are they going to spend that kind of capital? No. Right. I mean, I, I I've kind of got my sets on uh, sights on a lot of the. <laughs> Chase Winovich kind of level mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, kind of guys, which I, I won't be surprised if that happens, by the way. We'll see. But uh, uh, all right. Uh, what else? I think that seemed to wrap up most of Khan there. Um, yeah, I think that was, I mean, you know, again, affirmed the, the confidence in Pickett and, and watching this offense grow, but that's not breaking any any news right there. All right. Shall we see what the email, email machine has to say? Yeah, let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. All right, this one from uh, Taylor Carpenter in Athens, Ohio. Uh, Dave and Alex, here's one for you. What do you think the market value would be for William Jackson on the open market if the Steelers were to cut him? His recent time in Washington was a dud, and he has been battling the back injury. Do you think the Steelers may may be trying to work out a deal for him for, say, two years at a very reduced salary. If healthy, he seems like a better fit than Witherspoon, he says, more physical and maybe a touch better in man coverage. He says, I think the Steelers have a chance to sign him to a cheapish contract with with not a lot of guaranteed money. What say you? Look, I, I would think that those conversations at this point with William Jackson, the my thought on William Jackson since, since the season ended is the only way this guy stays is if he says, you know what? Uh, I'll take the minimum veteran salary uh, to compete for a roster spot, Uh, trim everything off else off my deal. I want to stay here. I want to compete. I think that's the only way he stays. I really think on the open market right now, his, 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 his market value is a uh, 
veteran benefit deal, which means a, uh, uh, a base salary for his accrued seasons at the minimum, plus $152,500 signing bonus uh, at the max. I think that's his market value right now. I think he needs to prove otherwise uh, to that. No, I wouldn't do any kind of a two-year reduced salary. Uh, my, my, my offer to him as Omar Khan would be, you want to stay, you got to cut it down to the minimum. End of story. Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. I think that's what his market value is. I shake his hand, say we had a great two practices together, William Jackson. Now go enjoy the spa business that you're getting into, and uh, we wish you luck. I don't think he's coming back. I don't have any desire to bring him back. All right, Matt Klima writes in, love the podcast inside, especially during free agency and the draft. I think mo- the most in- interesting topic in free agency is how the Steelers handle the inside linebacker position in Miles Jack. He says, in my opinion, there are a number of potential free agents who would be an upgrade over Jack and the Steelers could structure a contract in which the first year cap hit would be less than $8 million, which would be the savings in cutting Jack. Uh, he says, I'm thinking David Long, uh, White, Edwards, Pratt, Etc. He said, thoughts on cutting Jack and the Steelers are able to get a significant upgrade for less than $8 million first year cap hit. I don't think you need to, players should not be evaluated by their cap hit, first and foremost. Players should be evaluated by what their new money average is. That's my first thought on it. Uh, you know, we just talked about uh, Mitch Trubisky, who's got, is there, would there be any, inkling to give miles jack a uh two year extension similar to the one that you that that i i we talked about with with mitch trubisky i didn't even think about this but you know they both have eight million dollar salaries do would that would that be an option at all more than likely you would probably gonna say no to that yeah i would still say no to that again dummy extension maybe but not not a true extension i just i mean i don't think he's gonna be a long-term guy and so i don't really see the extension uh, route being feasible I don't think uh, my, I don't think he was asked about Miles Jack today, was he? No, I don't think he was. I don't, he wasn't really asked about the inside linebackers at all. all right. uh, he, there was the question about the uh, 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 I guess the evaluation process of the off the ball as far as I forget exactly how that was phrased like about the college guys, right? right? Not the current roster, right? Yeah. And, and I don't think Con said much about, right. about that. Uh Matt, I think the most interesting thing is is, is to see how the Steelers are going to handle the inside linebacker position right now. Uh, theoretically, could they cut Jack like you say, uh, and 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 go after a guy like Long or White or you know, I mean, yeah, they could, but they better do it. You know, they better get it right this time, <laughs> <laughs> and they've been getting it wrong right, a lot. Right, so uh, I'm not. I, I don't feel as I don't feel the conviction as far as uh, in myself as as to, as to far as far as speculating how that might turn out. I think you know where I where I where I am right now on 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 February twenty eighth is I think they're just going to hold on to Miles Jack. Yeah, this one's really at least is, through, at least through the new new league at least through March fifteenth. Right. Well, I think the reader saying hold on to Jack until you sign one of these right. other guys. And then you cut miles Jack. He's kind of your, your insurance plan there. I don't know if that'll be the approach Pittsburgh takes or not, not the fairest of the player, but you know, we'll see that, that it's really tough it, making me choose. I think they hold on to Jack as well, but it's one I'll be watching very closely because he's right on that edge. I could see him cut. I could see him stay. Yeah. And, and we agree. I mean, this is going to like, like uh, Matt writes here. I mean, this will be one of the most, 
interesting topics or, or things that, that may or may not happen over the course of the next two or three, three and a half weeks. Yeah, I think Bush is gone. Spillane, I'm pretty confident, will return. Marcus Allen could go either way, not really affecting the defensive depth chart at all. Jack is is the wild card here. Right. Uh, I wish we could add more insight to you, Matt, but it, it is it is one of those things that's you know, one of the biggest things I think maybe to watch during this process here. Brian Tolini writes in, Dave and AK did a did a deep safety class in 2022 hurt Terrell Edmonds market and free agency and will a weak safety class in 2023 help it? Can you discuss what you believe Edmonds market value is and the Max Steeders should go to retain him? I in my head, I'm thinking somewhere between three and four million dollar new money average uh, with 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 Edmonds. And as far as his market value. Uh, I think we'll get a better idea in the next couple of weeks here because uh, it in Cleveland didn't in Cleveland part in ways with the 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 John Johnson. Mm-hmm. They are. Uh, how many other safeties are going to lose their job? You know, uh, how how much will that safety free agent group get diluted here in the next two weeks? And I, I don't. I don't have a great answer to that just yet. And I think that I think guys that are currently under contract who were cut in the next couple of weeks at the safety position will help better shape that overall. But in in a vacuum, I kind of view Edmonds as a three to four million dollar year player. Yeah, I do, too. Wrote an article today talking about, you know, this guy should get a little bit more respect. You know, I think the market is, is obviously speaks for itself and you know didn't think of, of Edmonds too highly last year. Interesting point about the draft class being strong last year. Lewisine, Kyle Hamilton, first round picks so that depressed the value for Edmonds a bit. Maybe a little. I don't think the impact overall was was too great. This year, though, just given it's a pretty weak safety class, could that bring up Edmonds value a bit, especially for Pittsburgh? Yeah, I could see that. So my projection is two years, six million is, is to me a, a reasonable amount that it gives at least the illusion of security in a multi-year deal as opposed to the one-year deal he signed last year. Uh, Rob Jones writes in, howdy gents. Obviously he would have to want it, want to as well, but, but what would be the chances of doing a two-year extension to reduce the $8 million this year and keeping, he's talking about Mitch Trubisky here, not only for this year, but for a long time, Rob, hopefully, hopefully you, uh, you're listening to the front end of the show. You got, uh, it almost feels like, uh, uh, the first half hour of that show is a, uh, uh, should please you with the conversation we had about Mitch Trubisky there. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but I think we're both in agreement at the least that he'll be a stealer in 2023. One last one from Luke writes in, nobody does a deep dive like you guys. Always such great analysis based on Steelers historic selections and measurements. My ask is to, to do similar with Eagles with the Eagles since Howie Roseman uh, took over in around 2008. He says, Weidel wasn't there the whole time, but not, might have some Roseman uh, principles. He says, I saw out of 12 first since then, 11 have been wide receiver, offensive line, or defensive line. We'd love to see a breakdown of the first three rounds since 2008, and only place to turn to is Steelers Depot. Look, look, I mean, we 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 got to get caught up on this draft class more and just day-to-day stuff. I mean, I, we're, I can guarantee that we're not going to do a deep, deep dive into this, but how would you kind of answer uh, his question off the cuff about Eagles and historic selections and measurements and under Howie Roseman starting at around 2008. Yeah, just hard to know how to best value that. I mean, the Eagles have had some trends. I forget the exact ones. They haven't taken an off-ball linebacker since like 
in the first round since I think Tremaine Trotter and a cornerback, they haven't taken one in forever. How much does that really factor in given that Howie Roseman was making picks? He's the one that wanted Jalen Rager and Wido wanted Justin Jefferson. We know who ended up being right and who ended up being wrong about that. What I'm more concerned about with Weidel is, is the man, the upbringing, the scouting mentality. So just search on Steelers Depot. You may have read this last year, but but check it out again. I rely on this a lot is the article I wrote entitled The Big Book of Andy Weidel that really talked about his upbringing, his time in Pittsburgh, uh, the mentors that he had, his own philosophy, the things that he said in the past. Um, I think that's the most important part about Andy Weidel, about any one player or any one person is, what is their upbringing? What is their philosophy? That's going to become more valuable and predictive power than maybe what history has to say. All right. Good answer there. Uh, all right. Uh, I think we got through all the emails in here and apologies if you thinking that this show was going to be recorded on Wednesday morning and you're waiting to send in a question, just go ahead and send it in and maybe we'll get to it on the Friday show. There anything else to add before we get out of here on this, uh, later, uh, it's nine 30 out your, your way there, isn't it? Yeah. You stay in a uh, warm over there. It's pretty, uh, you get the snow. I know you got a little Man, bit of snow been, in California. Night. You got a hammer. I mean, yeah, one day uh, snowing here and next day it's like 64 outside. So it looked to be a pretty, very, very nice day out there uh, today. So, all right, good. I'm glad. Uh, other than that, uh, what's the weather like there? It's warmed up there too, hasn't it? Getting warmer. Tomorrow's going to be really nice in the uh, upper 60s. So that's going to be kind of cold again. That, that's Pittsburgh weather for you. One nice day to tease you and then back to the, the high 30s, low 40s. But it's been a really mild uh, winter. I think it's been almost like a record amount of uh, least snow. Uh, so it's been a pretty solid winter. All right. You and I uh, and the rest of the crew, uh, we got two guys at the combine going to be a busy, busy week. Uh, obviously the on the field, uh, drills start later on in a week and you can find all the combo combine info and, and measurements and times all on steelersdepot.com as you do every year at this time, really, really exciting time. I really look forward to this. I know Alex does as well too. So hopefully you'll join us on the site and we'll mix in a couple of podcasts on the way on top of it. So, uh, until Friday, you can follow me on Twitter at Steelers Depot, follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, go, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad-free button up right navigational bar and follow the directions that way there. So until Friday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Are adventure and relaxation on your mind? Jump in the car and head to Fauquier County, Virginia this weekend. Just a short drive from D.C. off I-66 and nestled in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Fauquier County has it all, including picturesque hiking trails, Rappahannock River access, plus over 25 wineries, breweries, and cideries. Visit the many unique shops and farm-to-table restaurants of Fauquier County's towns and villages, or take in the many historical attractions suitable for all ages. Check out visitfauquiercounty.com. That's visit, F-A-U-Q-U-I-E-R.com. Fauquier County. Find what you love.